0: Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Chapter 13, you can just put a marker somewhere if you like doing that, or you can just don't worry about it. Um, it'll also be up on the screen in Mark chapter seven. Okay. So we are in week number four of our series entitled Finding Freedom. And as I told you up front, um, you know, our one goal in in mind is to help you um, know how to get free, okay? How to, one, walk in freedom in your own life, but also at times being able to identify that there are sometimes things that the enemy has hold of you about, okay? Okay. Because we open up doors, and we'll talk just, just a little bit about that, but we open up doors in areas of our life that create bondage in our life, right? Um, and so what we want, want, want you to understand is that Christians can be saved, right? They can go to heaven, but they can also remain tangled up with thoughts that are unpure, habits that are not holy. And areas of their life that really kind of keep them from living the life to the full that God has for us, right? Jesus said that I came to give you life and that life more, what, abundantly. But see, sometimes we don't get to the abundant life because we've got some areas in our life or issues in our life that sometimes kind of negate or stop, almost damn up what God is wanting to do because we've, we've got... Some areas in our life that are are unholy or unrighteous. And so we just want you to be able to set yourself free. Want you to be able to lean into Jesus and allow Jesus to set you free. But see, sometimes we just think, well, all I got to do is say, Jesus set me free and that's it. But that's not it. We got to do our part, right? Same thing with salvation. Jesus died on the cross for us, right? Salvation is there, but then don't we have to do our part? Yeah, we got to walk into it. We got to accept it. We got to confess him as Lord and Savior. So it's so important that we understand that we got to do our part. So if you have not heard any of the three previous messages, feel free to go on, um, get the podcast, listen to the podcast, or um, go online and watch on the YouTube channel um, of our service at the TKK campus. Um, pretty much the, basically the same messages that we're doing as, as a teaching team, but The important thing is, is that we're just building layer upon layer these last few weeks to help us understand that this is really real. This is serious stuff, okay? And so, uh, just real brief, real brief overview. We talked about um, how we can be uh, uh, possessed or um, have demonic influences in our life. And we talked about how the fact is, is that, you know what? Just because of that word possession doesn't mean ownership. Okay, it doesn't mean ownership. What it means is to gain mastery over or to gain power over, right? But but not to own. So you can be, I'm gonna say, possessed, right? Or you know, have a, a spirit that's working in you that has no control over you in a sense of that he owns you, but he has control over you because he's mastered you to the point where you keep following into the trap of sin or you keep following into the trap that is, is causing this bondage to happen in your life that you're, you're stuck in. And so we have to understand that, you know what? Christians can be under the influence, right? Under the influence of an unclean spirit. And how we do that, as we've said before, is that we leave doors open, right? One time, you know, it could be one door, it could be many doors, but we leave doors open into our lives so the enemy can come in and begin to gain that power, begin to gain mastery over our lives. One practical example that we've talked about is the fact that, you know, as, as a person, you can take in illegal substances into your body, right? You can, whatever that is. You could take it in your body, but it is in your body, right? And it makes you do things, but it doesn't own you, right? It'll make you do crazy things. You drink, as an example, you drink too much alcohol. And next thing you know, you're in your car and you're driving, you're making poor decisions. and Bam, crash, you're in a crash. You mess up. Now that alcohol doesn't own you, but it's in you. And so what you have to do is recognize that, that the fact that, you know what, there can be things in in my life that I open myself up to that allows the enemy to come in and cause me to go in directions that I know is not right, that I know is not pure, that I know is not holy, okay? So today we're going to talk about believers being freed, but not free, believers being freed. Free, right? Freed, but not free. Okay? So let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, help us to understand all that you have for us today. Amen. Okay. So we're going to establish this, right? We are set free by the, our faith in Jesus, right? We believe that. Okay? But this is what Paul warns in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, stand fast. Okay, or in other words, take every effort on your part to make sure that you are keeping this at the forefront. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. It says, again, listen to this. It says, but do not be entangled again, meaning that means you can go back to a yoke of bondage. So he's saying, man, you have, we have freedom in Christ. When we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and he comes in and begins to clean this all out and begins to kind of wash all those things out, we have this freedom that we can walk in so that we can experience all that God has for us. But we have to stand diligent against allowing the enemy to come in and create bondages in our life. Because this says you can easily go back into it. Easily. Because we just kind of get back into our routines and into, our, into the, in kind of this normalcy. And a lot of times people or believers don't look at it and say, you know what? I, I don't really know if I really believe that, Pastor Scott. I don't believe that, that I, I, can, I can live in freedom or liberty. Because, you know, I just struggle with so many things. But see, that's where we have to begin to identify what are those things that you're struggling with. And where did they come from? How did they get in there? And if, you, if we can identify that, then as we are taking it to the Lord, the Lord begins then to bring about freedom. He begins to, to open it up, right? Because, you know, the enemy wants you to hide things in the dark places, right? He's all about that. You hide it in the dark place so that nobody can know about it. And so we, we hide it. Because we don't want anybody to know what's going on. But see, Jesus wants us to be able to expose it into the light. Because light always overcomes darkness, right? So we have to know that, you know what? Christians can be in bondage. Remember, I said you could be saved. You could be going to heaven. But there's still things in your life sometimes for certain people that have been keeping them in bondage. So they don't grow in their relationship, right? They end up struggling in their relationship. Because, you know, sometimes they just kind of self-prescribe it as a weakness. Well, I'm just really weak in this area. God understands. But see, God, from God's perspective, he's looking at you and going, man, that's not a weakness. That's a bondage. That's an area where the enemy has come in and you have begun to believe this this lie. Because, right, he's the father of lies. That's what the Bible says. And so we begin to believe this lie. And so he sees it totally different. He sees it as bondage, right? And so we have to understand that we can get help, okay? And we know that when the enemy comes, it says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So last week, we talked about pride as being an open door. And so today, we're going to look at three more open doors that many believers are already in, but they don't even really know it. So the very first one is continued iniquity. Continued iniquity. Continued iniquity opens the door to demonic activity in our lives. Now, when I'm saying demonic activity, you know, some people get that thing where, you know, they they get the idea that that's the, you know, eyes spinning around, head spinning around, foaming at the mouth, all the crazy stuff. I'm not talking about that. There are very subtle things that the enemy comes into your life and begins to twist and it begins to turn. And you start living that way thinking that, hey, this is just a weakness. When actually it's, it's enemy in, in, influenced, right? The enemy is influencing all that's going on. And so let me, let me give you this before we, we jump further into this, this point. But there is a lot of similarity between sin and iniquity, okay? They are both at times used interchangeably. They are both um, synonyms for each other, but there's a little bit of a difference in each because sometimes we'll see iniquity and we'll automatically just think sin. It's the act of sin, okay? But a lot of times in in Christendom, we talk about how sin is missing the mark, right? We talk about an archer, how an archer goes to shoot at the mark. They hit the bullseye, but what happens is is they, they pull back and they miss the bullseye. They don't hit it. We call that sin. We miss the mark. Okay, but we never never understand because for for a believer, we should be trying to model our life after Jesus, right? We should be looking at the life of Jesus, seeing how Jesus did things, how he handled things, and be able to model our life after what Jesus does, okay? But the thing that we don't understand sometimes, and this is where iniquity comes in, okay, is the fact that um, why did... The believer missed the mark. Okay, so we said sin is missing the mark, but then why did the believer miss the mark, or why did the archer miss the mark? It's because of iniquity. Okay, and like I said, they're really closely tied together. But this is this is a definition of iniquity. Iniquity points out to points to our character and our heart's perverse desire to twist and break God's standard. God's word, thus causing you to miss the shot, okay? So sin is the action. The iniquity is what's going on in your heart to make you do the action, right? Because you'll find in times where, you know, the the writer in the Bible, whoever whoever it is, they'll talk about the iniquity of my heart, meaning it's the, the, the thing that's going on in your heart at the moment, not that you've done a sin yet, but still that iniquity when it's perverse, when it's against what God's word has to say, then what he's trying to say is, you know what? There's iniquity there. It's, it's Man, our minds can run wild, can't it? Would you agree to that? They it can run wild. They can go all over the place. You're just like, oh my gosh, because it's like this little mini computer. And it's just, you know, firing all these things and all these things coming in. And it creates inside of us sometimes this perversity where it's like, you know what? I'm... Not going to do what God says to do. Well, that's iniquity, right? Because God wants us to live with Him in righteousness. So, do you understand that point? Where the iniquity talks a lot about the heart, but sin is the action, but today we're going to kind of combine the two because they're both important. Because at the same time, the writer always wants to make sure that we know that, you know what? I need repentance from the iniquity in my heart. And I need the repentance from the sin that I do. Okay? And when you got a lot of iniquity going on, that's going to lead you to sin. Right? An increase of it. So, we're meaning both. So, John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So, they were believers. If you abide in my word, okay, we talked about how you got to fill your house, remember? Talked about when, when, when the house is empty, if, if a, a spirit is cast out, we talked about that scripture, and then they come, the spirit comes back, and if it's not full of something, then it comes back and brings seven more and fills it, right? So basically what it is is that God's word is like the furniture in the house, and it's going to fill the house. Anyways, I'm getting off. It says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Right? Hosea 4.6 says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Right? Of his word. But this says, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. So when we're not in truth, in the truth, then you know what? We have? We're more inclined to be held in bondage. We're more inclined to, to draw ourselves that way. This is what the, the passion translation, how it kind of says it. It says, for, you, if you, for if you embrace the truth, you will rele- uh, it will release you from freedom. It will release freedom into your life. Sorry. Do you hear that? If you embrace the truth, it will release freedom into your life. Sometimes when talking with people, even just, you know, hey, I got these struggles. I got these things. I've got all this going on. And, and it's, it's closing in tight. It, it, it's like almost like, you know, it's, it's, it's choking me to death. Well, when you talk to them and you say, hey, are you in the truth? Have you been looking at, at, at have you been looking from God's perspective, right? The word of God is always God's perspective on things. And so it's so important that you look at God's perspective over your own perspective, right? Because the enemy will come in and try to tell you, man, this perspective, it, 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 forget it. It's over. When God says no, you know what? All things work together for good for them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so we have to look from God's perspective, but it's important for us to be in the word, okay? So again, these are Jewish believers, right? And if anybody's going to give it to him straight, it's Jesus, right? Jesus was a straight shooter. There is no like question marks like, what? You know, did he read? No, he was just a straight shooter. He told him like, it is what it is, right? You have to be free. You have to continue in my word, okay? You've got you to be a student of the word. you got to be able to, t- to take it in, right? And not just be a Christian because you can just be a Christian, right? You get saved. You confess Christ, and I'm a Christian. Glory. That's awesome. But see, Jesus is talking about us going a little bit deeper. Right? Not, not just kind of, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm good. But see, he wants us to be, dig deeper into God's word to see things from God's perspective. Right? Man, this world is crazy right now. With all the stuff and the laws being passed and all this stuff that you're looking and going, oh, my gosh, we're going in a handbasket. Right? But see... A reminder for me, I got to look to God's perspective. I got to look at it from that perspective. And well, what does God say? And God, if that's what you say, then I'm sticking with that more than what the government says, more than what the House of Representatives votes, more than what the Senate votes, no, whatever. I'm sticking to what the Word of God has to say. It's just so important. So he says all that. Then the, the, they come back with this. The Jewish believers come back with this. They say, they answered him. This is verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? So they're not catching it. They're blind to their bondage, right? Because if you were to read the Old Testament, man, they were in bondage all the time. I mean, I don't know. remember that movie, Back to the Future. I may be dating myself a little bit, but you remember where you would go, hello, McFly, Right? It's like you guys were in bondage all the time. And then at the moment Jesus is saying this, they're in bondage to the Romans. Yeah, here they are and go, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage. Man, you guys are, they're blind to their bondage. I mean, that is such a great example. Here they are, Abraham's descendants, God's chosen people. Yet they're blind to the fact that they've been in bondage. Same thing for us as Christians. We we can be blind to the fact that, yeah, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, and I'm trying the best I can. But, man, I've got all these things in my life. You might be in bondage. So that's why Jesus wants to to set set free, okay? And so let's look a little bit deeper. Verse 34, okay? Because Jesus is wanting everyone to know this, that it's true, that you can be in bondage. Jesus answered them, okay, so who is he talking to? Jewish believers, right? Okay, Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin or in bondage to the sin. The Passion Translation reads it this way I speak eternal truth. Man, that's just like Jesus, is like, okay, I'm dropping, dropping the mic, right? Jesus said, when you sin, you are not free. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. Think about that. So when I act out in some way, right? I, you know, a constant struggle I have is people who drive too slow in, in, in the fast lane or, or just don't know how to drive at all. And that really riles me up. I get fired up. And sometimes I think things and if I'm alone in the car, maybe say things that I have to go back to the Lord and, and ask for forgiveness. Because I shouldn't even be thinking or death, right? And I have no grace bucket for that person at the moment. But I, I, I have to understand that I can get myself in these positions to where all of a sudden I'm sinning. And, and listen to me. There is no big sin, little sin. It's all equal in God's eyes, right? You know, sometimes we think, "Well, man, murder is the most ultimate sin ever." But then Scripture tells us that if you hate your brother or sister, that's the same thing, right? And we think, "Ah, oh, well, I mean, I'm just, I just don't like them. They're just rude all the time, and they don't treat me very nice, and they'd whatever." But there's this thing that's created inside of us to where, man, we don't even want to be around them. We hate them. We're not going to pray for them. We're not, you know, they're kind of like our enemies. But Jesus said, that is the same as you murdering someone. So we have, we, we've got to get that in our heads that, you know what, we, we can think, oh, well, yeah, I don't do the big stuff. But you, you might be in the small stuff. And even in the small stuff can be an opportunity for the enemy To put you in bondage to that. Still love me? Okay, I just want to make sure. So he really just kind of covers everyone on that one. Verse 35 says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So slaves don't have rights, right? They don't have rights in the house. They don't have residency in the house, but sons do. says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. But here's the deal. Jesus is not talking about salvation. He's talking about a believer's choice, right? You either choose to walk in sonship that he has given you, or you can choose to go back into slaveship. And be in bondage, even though you're a believer. So he's trying to give them an understanding. Every day, every moment, we have a choice. What are we going to choose? And he said, you can either keep walking in this sonship, this freedom that God's given you, or you can be a slave to this bondage. And he wants you to choose what he he wants you to choose what what he wants every time. Now, he's not going to force you to do it. And I think sometimes when I maybe slip, he looks and kind of goes, oh, Pastor Scott, man. Oh, right? But he's not mad at me. He's not angry at me. He just wants me to come back and repent, right? Ask the Lord to clean the iniquity from my heart. Because obviously there's iniquity in there if I'm getting that riled up over someone who can't drive, you know, 70 or whatever the speed limit is in the fast lane. There's iniquity in there, right? I mean, the heart's wicked. So we have to understand that God wants us to choose the very best and that's him because Jesus came to set us free. Okay. Now, go back to verse 34, because this kind of talks about it too. It says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, we're going to look at the word commit for just a minute. And think about commit more as, as being the word committed. And that's the Greek word. This Greek word means to formulate a plan. So it's pretty simple. If someone formulates a plan to sin, you're in bondage. Okay? If you formulate a plan... The sin. In your heart. And you're thinking, well, I can get away with it this time. Oh, you know what? It's just, it's just one little peak. It's just one little thing. You know, whatever, whatever that is. You know, only you and God know the things that, that you, you, you deal with. But whatever it is, even when you start to plan just once, just one small thing, man, you are in bondage to it then. Right? Because the enemy will come. And he'll remind you, hey, you haven't done this in a while. You haven't felt, you know, you haven't, or whatever it is. So why don't you just feed it a little bit? Just go ahead. I always refer to it as that stray cat syndrome thing, right? When a stray cat comes to your door, right? If you don't feed it, it'll go away. But if you feed it, guess what? You got yourself a cat, right? Because you're just feeding it. It's like, oh yeah, oh, man, because they want the food. And so we got to understand that, you know what, we've got to kind of look at it and be able to say, man, even that small thing, even though if there's iniquity right there at the moment, that doesn't mean I need to act on it. That means I need to pull back and say, Lord, forgive me of the iniquity in my heart. Forgive me of even kind of even thinking that direction. That's radical. Wouldn't you say? A a great man of God um, that has written many songs and things like that. And, and another uh, gentleman who was a, uh, the um, president of our denomination, he, the president of the de- our denomination, um, he, he told this story. That one morning at four o'clock in the morning, he gets a phone call from this great man of God. If I said his name, you would all know. Well, I don't know if you would all know his name. But anyways, he's, like I said, he's conference speaker, all this stuff. He calls him at four in the morning. And he says, hey, I, I need you to come over to my house right now. Now, you would think, wow, that's pretty drastic. Like, what's going on? What's happening? Why would he call me at four in the morning? Man, what, what, what's up? So he goes over there, gets in the house, and, and says, what, what can I do? What can I do to help you? And he said, hey, I needed to let someone know. I already let God know. But I needed to let someone know that I had a thought in my mind that was unrighteous, unholy. And I just needed to confess my sin to my brother, one to another. And, and I want you to hold me accountable. Four o'clock in the morning. I don't even know if the sun shines at four in the morning. I'm not even interested in four in the morning. But, but see, this man's heart wanted purity. Even the iniquity, he didn't act on it. But there was iniquity within his heart that he went to the Lord. See, we've got to be able to understand that when, when we have those thoughts, first thing we got to do is we got to run to Jesus. We got to ask him for forgiveness. We got to say, hey man, set my heart and my mind on meditating on your word. Let the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. Not, Not this garbage that sometimes comes in. Okay? So we have to understand that, you know what, once you start formulating a plan, you could be in bondage. Okay? You could be in bondage. And then when you're in bondage, then you do whatever you can to accommodate it, to feed it, to do whatever, you know, I'll hide it. If I got to hide it, I'll do whatever it is because, you know, I, this is my, my little thing that I want anybody to know about. But the problem is, is God already knows, right? He knows everything. So let me, let me give you another scripture. Okay. And, and, and this, this thing too is not a weakness. I want to keep repeating that because we oftentimes say, oh, it's just a weakness I have. No, it's more than that. It's a spiritual thing. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully. So I guess that means you can choose dumbly, right? Uh, but choose carefully for, your, for, you, for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound, and highlight that, right? Bound to, be, to the one you choose to obey. So whatever you choose to obey, and I'll, I'll flush this out a little more on the scripture, you are automatically bound to it. That, that's pretty heavy. It says, if you choose to love sin, it will become your master. And it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. So, man, our choices are very important to our lives, the outcome of our lives. Again, and then in Jeremiah it says this Seven and eight. It says, Behold, you trust in lying words and cannot profit. Will you steal? Now he's talking to man, okay? This is God. Will you steal? murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk with other gods whom you do not know. And then come, listen, and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, the church, right? Or even just you personally, because we, you know, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. And say, we are delivered to do all these abominations, has this house, again, Holy Spirit, you, the church, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves, right? Place for, for, for activity that is not holy. Remember we talked about how demonic influence is, right? They're thieves. They want to steal from you. He says, you become a den of thieves in your eyes. But, the, but I love God. He says, behold, I, even I... Have seen it, says the Lord. So here Jeremiah gives us this, this paints this picture, this verbal picture of what he sees from his people. He's saying, man, you know what? Your your actions are not matching your words. Because you say you love me. You say you're in, in my life, that, that, that I'm in your life and all this, but yet what you do are things that are abomination to me. That's not, that's not matching up. And so here they are. They're still walking in sin, right? They have an, an continued iniquity in their life, but they come to church and say, oh, yeah, I'm free. Oh, I'm good. Praise the Lord. But see, there's things in our life that we're opening our, our hearts to, opening the doors to. And see, God sees all of that. But he's a loving and he's a gracious God. He says, man, I love you so much. I just want you to be free from all that. To the point where, man, you know what? You're walking into church and, you, and you're worshiping and God sees no iniquity in your heart. No sin in your life. Because you, you, you're, you've made a decision to close Close that door. But, but God then kind of is like opening up this question. He said, is that what freedom means to you? To keep sinning? Ah, oh, grace, brother. Grace, grace, grace. God gives grace. No. Right? That doesn't mean we increase our ability to sin. We decrease our ability to sin because of God's grace. To the point where we'll hopefully one day, I don't know if that will ever happen. But at one point, it gets so small that you look like Jesus. In every facet of your life. Now, he was perfect. We're not perfect. But I, I'm telling you, I think you can get to the point where it starts diminishing and diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. And then when people are looking at you, man, like, man, you, man, you are so, how do you do it? Well, let me tell you how I do it. I got this friend. And his name's Jesus. And I've dedicated my life to him. And I'm, I'm looking at the scripture. I'm trying to live from his perspective and all those things. Uh, Romans 13, Paul says, and we're not going to look at the scripture, but it says, you know what? You have, don't, don't use your freedom to feed your flesh. It says, make no provision for the flesh. Don't make plans to sin. Make plans to get out of sin, right? So it's that, 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 that opportunity to not make that, those plans. Oh, how, how, how can I get away with that? How can I do that? But instead saying, no, how, how can I not do that? Does that mean I, I won't go to that situation? Yes. Okay, then I won't go to that situation, whatever that may be, okay? Let me, let me give you the second point. Continued illness. So our first point is continued... continued um, uh, 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 man, my mind just went blank. Iniquity, right? Continue iniquity is the first point. So if you've got sin and iniquity constantly flowing in your life, then you've got an open door. Okay, that, that, that's what it means. Continued illness. Now, sometimes can be a sign that a door is open in your life and that the enemy has come in and he has brought illness with it. Okay? Let me, let me read you this story. Luke chapter 13, verses 11 through 16. And it says, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. So right there, the Bible's showing us. There's such a thing as a spirit of infirmity. Okay. She's had it for 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Now, which is really interesting. If you read the Bible, you'll see a lot of times that people are calling to Jesus. But this time he calls to her. There's a reason for that. And I'll show, you, I'll show you in just a minute. And he said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue <laughs> answered with indig- ind- indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, now it, it, what, what's funny is he's going to re- bring God's word back on Jesus. Right? Like, come on, man. You can't, you can't do that to Jesus. It says this. Therefore, are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each of you on the Sabbath loose the, his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, um, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the... Shouldn't she be loosed on this bond on the Sabbath? So she, here she is. She's a daughter of Abraham. And you remember, we kind of talked about how daughter of Abraham means that, you know what? She's part of that covenant promise that God had. This time Jesus calls to her because he's identifying her as a daughter of Abraham that he has a covenant with her, okay? So he, he, he's identifying her. And, then, and what, the, what the awesome thing is, is we know that there's natural, right? Natural Jewish people that are part of this, this covenant promise that God has made their da- sons and daughters of Abraham, naturally. But then you know what? When we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, we are sons and daughters of Abraham spiritually. So that means then we fall under the same category as that lady, Pretty cool to me. Falls right into that category because of who we are in Christ. So this is what Galatians 3.29 says. It says, and if you belong to Christ, if you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendants and spiritual heirs according to God's promise. That just, I just proved the point. Right, So if you are true children of Abraham because of your faith, then we have every right to be set free from illness. Absolutely every right to be set free from Jesus. I mean from illness. So he sets her free. Because she was the daughter of Abraham. Now, again, I'm not saying that every single time someone gets sick, it's, it's, it's a demonic influence, okay? But what I'm saying is that we can see in the Bible that sometimes the enemy brings sickness. Because as we said, the demonic are thieves. Demons are thieves. They've come to steal, kill, and destroy. They've come to take your health away from you. And so if you're, if you're going through an illness and a difficulty that just just won't seem at, at any point or time that is, is just hanging on. And then you know what? Go, go to the Lord and ask him, have I opened a door anywhere to where a spirit of infirmity could be in my life to the point that I am sick constantly over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again? And I'm going to be honest with you. I honestly believe the Lord will show you. Holy Spirit will show you. Right? So then... Then what you do is you bring it to the Lord and say, okay, then I need to be released. I need to be set free from this. And then you start thanking him for that. If, if you just read the gospels, there are so many stories about healing that Jesus does. If you, if you need to build your faith up, just read those stories. Over and over and over again. Because the more you read it, the more your faith will be stirred at the fact that Jesus is the great physician. He's the healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he healed when he walked on the earth, that means he heals today. And he can set you free. If there's a spirit of infirmity, he wants to set his sons and daughters free from that. To walk in the wholeness of what he's, he's promised. Because he's got, he's got power over the natural. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, 58 through 61 says, If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you. Okay, now he's talking Old Testament, but you know what? You've got to just understand that we can, we can pull Old Testament into New Testament in some ways, right? He says, "...upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law, will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed." Right? So he's basically saying, you know what, if you keep walking in, in your life and opening doors to the enemy to come in, then like we talked about last week, he, his hands get tied. He wants to bring healing, but we just keep, come on in, come on in, right? And he's like, would you shut the door so that I could come and do what I do best and heal you and set you free? But see, we just can't be just naive to the fact that we're not opening doors. That we're just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I live in grace. It, it's all good or whatever. I mean, even just a peek of the door opens us up to, to some things that, that are not good. Okay? So he's just saying, if you're not going to walk with me, then you know what? There's going to be open doors. The enemy can come in and he can bring some sickness, Right? Here's some other uh, sickness-related scriptures uh, and oppression of the enemy. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I'll read it real quick. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay? Acts 19. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, this isn't even Jesus. This is Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. See how that kind of correlates? Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Right? It, it correlates. So we have to know that sometimes we just open doors and we've got to be able to close them. Let me, let me give you another example of just an open door real quick. Another open door in, in this context of, of healing is, is your belief system. When, when you say, you know, you, I talk to a lot of Christians. And a lot of them say, yeah, I, be, I believe that God heals. I saw it in the Bible. He heals. But he, I don't think he can heal me. I don't think he can uh, touch me, restore, bring health to my body. You know, because the doctor said, right? I mean, I've heard those. I've heard a doctor tell me, yeah, you got this. Okay, but I don't receive it. But, but see, an open door can be when you start to go, oh my gosh, I got this, and I'm just gonna dwell on that. Right? So then the enemy moves in and says, Well, awesome. Let's keep this going as long as we can, where we've got to be able to say, Well, wait, wait, wait. What what does again so important, that's why we need to know God's word. What does God's word say about it? Right? I battle with diabetes. Right? The doctor told me, you know what? Yeah, that means that your pancreas is not functioning the way it's supposed to. So every single morning, every single day, I am thanking the Lord that my pancreas is coming to life. That that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that pra- raised Jesus from the dead is breathing life into my pancreas and that my pancreas is being regulated to the way it was originally designed. And that my blood insulin and my sugar insulin and all that is coming back into alignment the way God created me to be. See, I, I'm not trying to, to keep an open door to the oh yeah, but you got it. I'm not denying that I don't that I have it. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to cover and close the door with God's word. Like I'm trying to put a padlock on that door that I'm not going to open it and go. Oh my God, yeah, I just can't be it. Yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be mess. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be you know what I mean. And so. That's me, because but, so, but, I'm trying to give you an example, but we have to understand that our, our, um, our belief system in all kinds of things is an open door. What are you going to believe? There, there's even a scripture, I don't even know where it's found, but there's a scripture in the Bible that says, whose report are you going to believe, right? I'm going to re- believe the report of the Lord. Well, where do you find the report? Right here in this book right? That's why God gave it to us. That's God's report. So we've got to just kind of concentrate on that, okay? Watch your belief system. That's an open door. Last, very last one is continued influence. Continued influence. I got a long scripture. I I don't need the worship team to come up just yet. Mark chapter 7. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre in in Sidon. Something like that. You know what I mean. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. Okay. A demon. Heard about him and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek uh, serophonician. Which is important to know in the story. We'll get there in a minute. By birth. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the uh, children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, right, because you humbled your life, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon was gone and her daughter lying in the bed. Now, a couple of things just to understand about this. This is about a covenant relationship because she even says Lord, okay, to Jesus. She she grew up in a background, which we'll cover here in just a minute. She grew up in a background that was very ungodly. That the culture she lived in very 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 ungodly, okay? But she found freedom. She she found Jesus and comes to him and says, "Hey, Lord, Heal her. And so this, this she's a Phoenician or Phoenician in Tyree. And Tyree was formerly known as a Phoenician. Kind of like, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince. Um, and Phoenician is, now listen, Phoenician is considered by most theologians to be the most prevalent place of paganism that entered into Jerusalem by way of Jezebel. Remember Jezebel? Jezebel was married to Ahab. When she married Ahab, who was the king of, of, of Israel, she brought all of her practices into Israel. So not only is she this Phoenician, but also she's a, a Syro-Phoenician, which basically means Syria. And Syria is thought to be in the Bible full of pride. So, she's, so she would be a person full of pride as well because of who they are. And, and we have to understand that many times as believers, we believe that, you know, we can dabble in certain things. Um, I'll, I'll just call it the occult for right now. But we can dabble in certain things and believe that it won't affect us. Our culture is constantly driving an a anti-God agenda. Media, books, all kinds of stuff, right? And so what happens is that sometimes as believers, we kind of get in this pride a little bit and say, yeah, but that won't affect me. I can go to any movie I want to go see and it won't affect me. Right? Maybe an R rated movie, horror movie, right? I'm amazed when I talk to some people and man, they're even letting their kids go see these horror movies that I'm just like, what are you doing? doing, you are opening the door for your time, you know, because they'll talk to me and my kid, and I'm not saying this is every reason why, but my kid has nightmares and, and you know, really thinking and they just can't sleep and it's this, this. well, can I ask you, what are they watching? What are, what have they been viewing? What, what, uh, this, that, all these things that would create in them an opportunity, an open door for the enemy to come in and start messing with their life. Right? But as parents, sometimes, and I'm not dogging parents, on am not pointing fingers, but sometimes as parents, we don't think about that. We, we, we just don't. I, I remember when, I, when our kids were growing up, and the big thing back then was this book called Goosebumps. Okay, Some of you might remember it, but it was Goosebumps. And like every kid, it seemed like, was reading this book. But our kids would come, can we read it? Nope, not going to read it, because they had witchcraft in it. It had a whole bunch of stuff in it, so we wouldn't let our kids read it. Harry Potter came out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you got to read Harry Potter. I, I, just listen to me. I'm not bashing anything, but Harry Potter came out. Same thing. Can we read it? Nope. Can't read it because it's got witchcraft spells, all this kind of stuff. But see, a lot of times we, we don't think about those things. We think, oh, well, everyone's reading it. It's all good. But see, God as, as a parent, I'm talking to parents right now, but God as a parent, man, you are set um, as, as the leader of your home, you are the one to set the pace for your family. And if you're lax of days ago about it and you'll, you'll open doors, because even in our story, who was the one affected by the evil spirit? The daughter, right? Because of this, all this stuff, open it up. I mean, and you look at it, man. I mean... Yeah, you just you just look at it. But there's all kinds of things. You know, there's horoscopes. We look at sometimes, oh, what's it say? What's gonna happen to me today or whatever? Right? Well, read your Bible, find out what's gonna happen to you. Okay. There's you know, I I, I always crack up at, at the commercial for the California Psychic Network. You ever seen those commercials? <laughs> oh my gosh, they knew everything about me and what I wanted and all this, and oh my gosh. You're like, really? Just, I mean, it blows my mind. I think, man, you're so deceived. Now, I'm not saying they're Christians, but I'm just saying they're so deceived. And so we have to understand that we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard our kids' hearts. And just lay up, put out some standards, right? And stop treating this, this cultural influence as no big deal. It's just the culture we live in, and it's just the way it is. No. God has called you as a Christian to be set apart. And that's hard, right? But there's so much um, easiness in it. There's so much reward in being set apart that that sometimes we, we don't necessarily see. So we can't open a door to that. But we've got to take a look at our life and then ask the Lord, where are there doors that are open? And just be truthful about it and then denounce it, repent of our life, right, in, in our life, close the door, whatever you got to do, so we, so back to Mark chapter 7, so she comes up, asks for deliverance from her daughter, for the demon to be cast out, and Jesus says this statement, right, and, and when, when we read it, I don't know if you thought, man, Jesus is kind of rude, like, uh, Right? But he says a statement. But Jesus said, Let the children be first uh, filled, first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So some people look at that and say, Man, Jesus was being rude. But Jesus wasn't being rude. You got to understand the Bible literature at the time or the language at the time. Okay? Because what Jesus was saying is the gospel first is for the, the Jew, then it's for the Gentile. And he said, Well, here's the deal. You're not Jewish, but you're Gentile, and it's still for you, okay? But, but we got to get a little bit deeper because he called her a dog. That, that's not very cool, right? So he says this, 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 this deliverance, this, this freedom is for the true children of God, okay? But because we believe in Christ, we are true children, Okay. But here's what dogs represent. And I'm going to give it to you in Revelations chapter 22, verse 14, 50. This is our last scripture. It says this, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. That means heaven. Verse 15, But outside are dogs and sorcerers, and sexual, immoral, and murderers um, and idolaters. And whoever loves and practices a lie. So, even lying is an open door. So, according to the Bible, dogs represent lost people. Okay? They are the people who don't get into heaven. So, when she fell at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, my daughter needs deliverance. Jesus reply was it's not for lost people it's for the for the children of God. So true freedom right the true freedom that you seek is that you got to believe in me. You got to believe in Jesus. You got to believe that he is the one who can bring deliverance. But if you don't believe in Jesus then you're outside of the gate. At some point, right now, you could be outside of the gate if you've never made him Lord of your life. So hopefully this is kind of draws a picture or gives you a better understanding that believers can be in bondage because what happens is when she comes back to her house, what happened? Her daughter was set free. But how, how did that happen? Well, one is she came in humility, Right? She came in humility. She got on her knees and said, Jesus, please, <laughs> my daughter needs help. My daughter needs to be delivered. And because of that humility, Jesus answered. He says, go back home. She's set free. And, and it's the same principle that happens in our life. It's It's... it's being humble, humble yourself. Humble yourself to ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at? Do I have areas in my life that I am in bondage to? Some of them might have been in those things that we've talked about a little bit. And and if you if you feel like you are, then humble yourself. Go before the Lord, Lord, Lord. There's iniquity in my heart. I haven't acted on it. But there's iniquity there, it's not pure. Help me, Lord. Yeah, there's this, this this hidden thing in my life that man, I, I don't want anybody to know about. In fact, I don't even want you to know about, but I'm gonna give it to you. Because he already knows, anyways, right? But I'm gonna give it to you. And I, I want to walk free from it. But that takes humility. Not I'm perfect. I, I, you know, I've got everything flowing in my life. I'm great all the time. No. But it's, it's constantly in humility coming to your creator. And he's so gracious, so loving that he's like, yeah, come here. Right? He's that dad when the prodigal son comes home. He goes running to him gives him a big hug. He gives you a big hug and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you saw what I've been seeing. Like you talked about, I've seen it all. And you've got this stuff in your life. And man, well, let's just take care of it. Let's take care of it because I want the very best for you. That's the God Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.